What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by my good friend Nick. What's going on, man? Hey, Cam. Great to be with you again. I apologize if I sound a little bit under the weather. I've had a rough last couple of days, but I'm on the upswing, and I'm glad to be with you tonight. Oh, as am I, sir. I'm sorry that you're under the weather, but as they say, the show must, must go, go on. on. Indeed. I do feel so, like I do feel like my weekend was completely taken from me, though, as I laid on my deathbed most of Friday evening through Sunday morning. Well, so I feel like it's a rough weekend in in, your, in the coats home because you were sick, and your wife is how many days overdue for the baby? <laughs> yeah, she's three days overdue. So I feel like you both, in your own way, were just not loving life. <laughs> and also weekend. sick. So, yeah, at a point Friday night, I was really praying that labor was not going to come at that point, or else we both would have been in pretty rough shape. So... But thankfully, can I, can I let the listeners in on a little secret real quick? Sure. I'm secretly hoping that she goes into labor during this podcast so we can get it on audio. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll find out um, sooner rather than later in that regard. Because what she, a great uh, way to end a show. You running off to the hospital with your wife and child to meet your second one. That'd be such a fun way to end a show. That would be memorable. So I remember this just... Yeah, I'm getting nostalgic as far as, yeah, I think it was episode two when Emma was little. I mean, she, she was probably a year old um, in the background. She made a, a few appearances in the podcast, and now she's <laughs> two and a half and putting sentences together. And yeah, number two is on the way. But yeah, she was a trooper tonight. We went to a minor league game, saw the double A Trenton Thunder play against uh, New Hampshire, the double A of the Blue Jays. Uh, it was a very speedy game. Um, they went, they made it through nine innings in just over two hours. But it uh, it went actually to extras. We left in the 10th. Um, I was with some other people, and we've got work tomorrow and a young child, but um, I still think, it, I think it went 11 innings and still ended in well under three hours, so... But it's always fun to. I hadn't been to a baseball, a real baseball game in a while, so it's fun to to see that. And we were, I think we were like third row on the first base side. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. She did. She she was a trooper and still still patiently waiting. So any day now. Can I tell you something slightly unrelated? So much intrigue in this episode. Early. I know. I also sat third row for something this weekend. Twas not baseball, though. Was it a soccer game? Uh, no, that's a very good guess. That's a very good guess. Uh, no, Friday night, I sat third row. Oh, Martin S- Short, yes. Steve Martin and Martin Short and their little touring variety show, and it was so good. I laughed the entire time. It was fantastic. <laughs> those are some funny guys. Yeah, and it was one of those, like, I was home with, with Kennedy, and Meredith was like, Allie has tickets. I think it's inside, and I think they cost $40. <sighs> That's like a $110 night if you throw in a babysitter. I was like, I really don't want to do that. Then she's like, scratch that. It's at Starlight. Starlight's the outdoor amphitheater. It was 103 degrees here on Friday. So I really don't want to go do that. She goes, they're third row and they're free tickets. Ooh, okay, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) 
and they wound up being like two hundred dollar tickets that we got for free, and we got to sit. I was like fifteen feet away from both of them, and it was just super super fun. So that's my third row story for the weekend. That's awesome. Well, I would I would encourage anyone out there to to check out if you if there are is if there is a minor league team nearby you. I mean, chances are there is just because there are so many all around the country. But it's hard to beat the. First of all, the the baseball action at a very very cheap price. I mean, you could take you could take a family and it'd be very affordable. And even you know, as opposed to some major league teams, you go and, and buy beverages or food. You're you're racking up a lot of money there. But even that, it's much more affordable at a minor league park. But you can sit right down near the action. There there are kids everywhere if you do have kids, um, or if you are a more serious baseball fan. There's there's that too and. You, there's plenty of seats to be able to to get away from the crazy kids if you need, but especially for some teams, I mean, pretty much every team has a future major leaguer on it, so it's a really cool opportunity to see them before they make the majors, and that's that's something I've made note of on this podcast. What I've really enjoyed the past four or five years with uh, my major league team being so bad is being able to to watch and follow the younger guys as they come up through the minors. So yeah, if you're looking for fun activities to do that aren't too expensive check and see if you have a minor league team around you because odds are you do and it's a lot of fun yeah i'll put a link in the show notes to the uh minor league baseball website so you guys can check out where all the teams are and go to the team website and check out tickets and all that good stuff because there's still you know a little bit of baseball left this year yeah there's about six weeks of the the minor league season left they go through the end of August, but yeah, we're well into the second half here and cruising on towards the pennant race. And we've had a lot of pretty significant things happen uh, since we last spoke. Yes, we have. I feel like we should get into those very significant things. Yeah, a couple things today. We had <clears throat> two ace pitchers leave their games early uh, for differing injuries that um, for first place teams that depending on the severity of the injury, could have a pretty impactful um, influence on the rest of the, you know, while it may, the teams aren't necessarily going to lose their large leads um, in the standings, but injuries, especially we're talking about Clayton Kershaw with his back, this is a recurring thing for him. I just don't know why they don't start him two months later in the season. (laughs) Well, probably because they're paying him the money that he is and he's but he's gonna miss he's gonna miss a month or two from the injury so not just wait so yeah can get to the playoffs like it's unfortunate would, as good as he's been he's missed a lot of, more and more time for this and i don't know i mean the back is not something that gets better as you age so that's a tough break for the dodgers who have lost one or two games in the last month it feels like so again they're probably not gonna lose the division or anything like that they have a pretty big lead but the health of Clayton Kershaw is paramount to their ability to advance and win a world championship so we'll see what happens with that and then also Steven Strasburg bit of deja vu with him and they said that he exited after two innings for precautionary reasons but this is also a guy with a very extensive injury history so I guess, yeah, we'll see. 
how long they're how long they're out and if they can come back healthy. But pretty significant injuries happening happening on the same day. Yeah, I mean, but again, are we really surprised? I mean, it sucks for both the teams, but I mean, you've made comments about Kershaw, you know, picking the Dodgers, but also saying, but if Kershaw gets hurt, then that changes everything. <laughs> yeah. You know? So they were my World Series pick this year, and then I made that comment for that reason. Exactly. So definitely not surprising. I I like Kershaw. I want him to do well. He's he's not had the postseason success that he's had you know that he's had in the regular season which is his big hurdle that he needs to cross and you know we've we've still got some time but the back again that's not something that quickly heals so he's going to probably need some time and you know maybe the timing works out to where he can miss a month here and then come back in that last month to get tuned up and have the uh the time off be able to help him in that regard but that's definitely not a given. It's something that can flare up at any minute. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy though. The um, Dodgers and Astros in particular, this year more than any, we've just got two really dominant teams who um, are already up. The Dodgers are at 68 wins already. So they are, they've won more games than several teams are going to win all year <laughs> at the end of July. So, and Astros are, uh, Three games back, 65 wins. Have opened up a little bit bigger lead in the West to 17 games now. So I read this, speaking of the Dodgers, I read this ridiculous stat the other day about the Diamondbacks. They had, I can't remember, they had they had gone like 13 and 8 or something over uh, the course of you know a couple weeks, and they lost... Uh, seven games in the standings or something crazy like that just because the Dodgers the Dodgers just went on a crazy win streak where they only lost one or two games so the you know not too long ago when we talked the West had was pretty tight between the Dodgers Rockies and Diamondbacks and now the Dodgers have opened up a ten and a half game lead so looking like the that ship has sailed for the the rest of the division, but you know, two weeks ago I I made the comment about the Cubs where I kind of gave up on them making a push, and here they are, <laughs> only a half game back of the Brewers who have oh ye of little faith who have crashed down to earth, losing two or three to the lowly Phillies this weekend. Yeah, that's, that's kind of embarrassing. So it's uh the baseball season. It's hard to pretend for too long. The Brewers are a good team, but that that was quite a big jump for them to, you know, they've been in the first place in the division since late May, but the uh, the Cubs are nipping at their heels now. That that whole division, besides the Reds, is really tightened up to where Pirates are only three games back now at a game under, and the Cardinals are four games back, but the East and West are pretty much wrapped up, so... And the West and the American League as well. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if Strasburg misses a start. I won't be surprised. They'll they'll probably be pretty cautious with him. And there's really no need to push it where they're at in the standings. But definitely something to make note of. Indeed, I have noted it. 
<laughs> on, my, on my Mendoza line notepad. So on a lighter note, did you see this video of a young Reds fan today uh, met D. Gordon right before the game started? And I think he was going to give him a baseball or something. And or D. Gordon had crouched right beside him. And uh, this young kid kicked him right in the shins. <laughs> Right before the game started. No, what the? <laughs> yeah, it was very bizarre. So I'm not really sure why this kid did that. But yeah, he kicked uh, D. Gordon right in the leg. A five-year-old kid. That's I'll, pretty funny. You have to post that video. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will look at it. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't too bad. It was a light, uh, light kick, but still, <laughs> the umpire like pulls him back. It was. It turned from really cute to like, D. Gordon stands up and is like, "What the heck? <laughs> this kid just kicked me." It was like right in the kneecap too. And D. Gordon's not a big guy, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching the GIF right now. <laughs> uh, he's like, "Ow, that hurt." <laughs> Little kids, they they can cause tremendous amount of damage. Fantastic. So that happened. Why would why did they have a Reds fan meet D. Gordon? You know, I'm not sure. I missed the the front part of the game. I know why the kid kicked him because he plays for the Marlins. Like, why not have him meet Joey Votto, who the kid actually wants to meet? I'm wondering if he threw out the first pitch or something, and then. Just because D. Gordon was in the on deck circle and all their other Reds players were warming Walked up, over. I don't know. But That's yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Like a kid normally is kind of awestruck, but this kid just, for whatever reason, doesn't like D. Gordon. Kicked him right in the That's, shins. That's fantastic. So, another note. Um, this is definitely the time of year where some of the you know, bigger prospects that have been performing in the minors get their call up. So the the Red Sox, after missing out on Todd Frazier, which we'll talk about in some of the trades that have gone down, called up their their young third baseman phenom, Rafael Daver, Devers. Devers. I should know how to say that. Devers is probably the more yeah, accurate right. pronunciation. Right. But that'll be interesting to watch. Two years in a row now, they... They called up Moncada about this time last year uh, in their pennant race, and he struggled pretty bad. But <clears throat> Devers is a guy that he's only 20 years old, which is incredible. But he was tearing up double A, and then he's been in the triple A for nine games and is hitting over 400. So uh, Dombrowski, being the, the aggressive guy that he is, decided we, uh, we're not getting anything else at third base. This guy can't do any worse. This is the uh, the same team that cut Pablo Sandoval, having still owed him over fifty million dollars. Okay, to... can we can we time out there? Because this is another <laughs> one of those situations where I'll suck at third base for ten. Million. <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee you, I'll suck at it. <laughs> like it's just that's absurd to me that they would pay. And not, did they agree on a different payoff, or was it they still owed him that money, and there's no way out of it? Because I know, I know sometimes in these contracts, there's wiggle-waggle room, and they 
wind up owing less. But yeah, in baseball, contracts are all all major league contracts are fully guaranteed. So they designated him for assignment. So in that case, there's a time frame to complete a trade, which obviously no one's going to trade anything for Sandoval. So at that point, you just release him. If no one picks him up on waivers, which no one's going to pick him up on waivers and have to pay him that money, basically all that money goes straight to him, and he's free to sign with whoever he wants. So he he signed back with the Giants on a minor league contract, so he's playing for their triple-A team. Um, so he's ideally trying to rekindle the magic there uh, with his original team. But yeah, So uh, another question. Does he get that $50 million in a lump sum, or is it over the, over the duration of the contract that was signed? I'm assuming that um, that's probably they can be with the team and the player, but I'm assuming it, it will just be paid out as normal. Okay, so for the so, next couple of years, he's getting a paycheck from the Red Sox. So they... That's just absurd to me. But it, I don't know for sure about that. Um, that'd be a tremendous amount of money to pay in a lump sum. But I would assume that, you know, they, they broke the contract by... So they have to honor it. ...releasing him, so they would just... Yeah. You have to fulfill the contract because but it's guaranteed. Why, why wouldn't... Why not just keep him and just sit him on the bench or send him down to AAA? Because roster vo- <coughs> roster spots are also very valuable, right? But why not send him down to AAA, bring Devers up, and if Sandoval all of a sudden gets you know a fire lit, you have someone else. If someone else gets hurt, like well, was it, it just so much of a lost cause it, that they just wanted him gone? He used to. He's out of options. So that's that's the same thing as placing him on waivers, anyways. So. That makes okay. That makes sense. I, I forgot about that little. There's only so many times you can be optioned, or and then is it also you can if you're in the majors for so much time, or is it just there's a set amount of options? I can't remember. Yeah, that's there's too many rules. That, Nick. The Brandon Phillips thing was the the ten, ten years of major league service or five with the same team. You have more no, no trade rights, but. That's just a basic, you know. He's he's older. He's he signed a major league contract, so he he has the right to deny a a minor league <clears throat> um, assignment if he wants. So some team, some players will. Um, I'm not exactly sure logistically how it works if they have to be placed on waivers or not, but they will say, "Yeah, I will. I'll go down to the major to the minors for a set amount of time to work on this, and then come back." But I think with Sandoval, there had been enough enough time and just as many years of him just being completely worthless and overweight that it was just, it's one of those situations like he was either becoming a cancer or just a negative presence. So worth it to be able to bring up a Davers, you mm-hmm. know, to have the spot to be able to do that than have dead weight literally at the end of your bench. So, yeah, I guess my, my thoughts then too, uh, are they kind of knew what they were getting with him because when they got when they brought him over from San uh, San Francisco, if I recall correctly, it was after a really bad year, or was that his first year in Boston? That was Not really sure. Bad. But either way, like it was pretty clear early on that he was you know he was not going to be Kung Fu Panda once again. It was. Pretty much, he's his career's over, and he's sitting on this massive contract, and the Red Sox just paid way too much money for him. 
Like that was obvious very, very early on, I believe. So I don't really feel bad for the Red Sox in this situation. Oh no. They were they anytime you there are very few teams that can offer that amount of money and they're gonna be just fine financially, so he signed with the Red Sox in 2015 after, see, the Giants, he was, I mean, he was only 28 when he signed. He came off of a year where he hit 279, 324, 415 slugging. It's not the greatest year. Uh, 16 home runs, 73 RBIs. Say so they, they won the World Series in 11, 13, and 15, right? I thought it was even years. Even year. So, yeah, it would have been 10, 12, 14. So, that would have been his last year. Um, the t- 2012, was that when they played the Tigers and he had that amazing series? Yeah, because I was in Ethiopia. And I, I got back and I thought, because everyone thought the Tigers would sweep him. And I got back and there was no there was no coverage about it. And I went and did some digging and found out that, oh, no, the Tigers got swept. So, I left for Africa for, you know, two weeks and came back and didn't. You know, deleted all the World Series games from my DVR because I just didn't even want to handle, you know, watching it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, he had, he was just on fire that whole series and was making all these defensive defensive plays. And he he never was a huge, consistent performer in the regular season. He had a year, 2009, he hit 330 his first full year, and then he hit 315 in 2011. But a lot of sub eight hundred OPSs, um, which is not good. It's not it's not terrible, but it's also for a third baseman who, you know, you look at Sandoval, he's not an elite defender. That's not a you know, the most viable player in the world. So you know, he comes off of that pretty much down year, um in 2014, and gets a massive contract. Yeah, I mean, the either the Red Sox were planning on a resurgence or the magic of what he was able to do in the World Series. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems well, for the amount of money they paid him, it seemed right off the bat to be uh, to be a mistake. So they they did a very similar thing with Hanley Ramirez too. So it's not unheard of for them to. So. And um, so he didn't really do much in 2010, but in 2012, he hit um, over 300, slugged over 500 in both the NLDS and NLCS, and then he hit 500, 529, and slugged 1125 in the World Series. Yikes. Hit, th- hit three home runs. Ever heard of an intentional four- walk, boys? Yeah, hit three home runs in four games. Um, he did get walked once. I don't know if that was intentional or not. And then in 2014, he hit. Um, he had a rough NLDS, but then he hit 400, 478, 550 in NLCS against St. Louis. And then he hit um, 429, 467, 536 in the World Series. So he, he likes stuff. to play in the big games. He parlayed those postseason stats into that monster contract. Yeah. So, so in hindsight, yeah, they, the Red Sox struggled those couple years, didn't really make the playoffs. So he didn't even have a chance, but, um, it's not surprising that he struggled as much as he did. And it's the typical, you know, when a guy 
gets that amount of money and that much security in a contract, and he struggles with weight already, you know, he's lost a little bit of motivation to maybe keep on top of it like he once did when he was, um, you know, trying to stay in the majors initially. So that that to me right there is like that just bothers me. Like I feel like <laughs> if someone's going to pay you whatever the total contract was, I'm assuming fifty million is what was left on it when they dropped him. Yeah, and you can't even stay in shape. Yeah, like that. I mean, in football though, you just get cut. I, so I, I just it. I feel like if someone pays me that much money, guess what I can afford? <laughs> a personal cook and a personal <laughs> trainer. Well, also, there's the the responsibility to perform. You're being paid well to, exactly. to do the job. And I, I cannot believe that there are not, and there may be in other players' contracts, I'm not sure, uh, weight and performance um, like pay deductions. They have them in football. I know. You come in overweight, you lose 10% of your salary. Eddie Lacy has... Does wasn't he the one that he gets bonuses if he's under a certain weight throughout the summer? I think I read See, that. See, I don't, I don't know what would be better—the positive reinforcement or the negative reinforcement. You get a bonus if you come in underweight, or if you don't, you lose money. I don't know. It would, I guess it would depend on the player what would motivate them more. But that'll never happen in baseball, though, because yeah, they've they've uh, the money's guaranteed. No salary cap, and they they've really they've dug themselves into a number of baseball pits. has. Yeah, they have the luxury tax, which. But that doesn't stop the big market teams because they can. Oh, it's just going to cost us more money. Okay, we've got that. It doesn't, but owners don't like to pay that tax because you're talking it exponentially increases. Right. It because I I mean I've I've heard a lot of the Yankees the bigger I mean they still they can pay guys a lot but they're not gonna. It hurts them for sure. I, I know it. I know it hurts tax. them, but it doesn't stop them. For sure. So, I mean, it's just an example of the Red Sox being able to make that mistake and it not be that big of a deal, whereas a team like if the Reds did that... Oh, oh. it would probably five to six years before they could recover. That's a major part of their payroll. Yeah. So they would be screwed until the contract ran out. So, I mean, they're... Joey Votto, I mean, he's making $25 million a year now and producing, but it's still... That's a, a quarter of their payroll, so. Yeah, Pablo Sandoval, I mean, as much as, as rich as he is, he's he is completely disgraced himself in a lot of ways with the, the weight issues and completely falling off the map, and he's not, he's 30 years old, he should still be producing. So, I don't know. Maybe he rekindles that magic with the Giants, but I I mean, the it. Giants are... They're a terrible team this year, so it's not like he's going to come in and ride the the Kurt their the waves and the the draft of a of a winning team. I mean, they're they're pretty bad. I mean, it's interesting the cycl the cyclical nature of baseball. You're talking, you know, when the Reds were consistently in the playoffs four or five years ago, their main competition was the Giants and Phillies, who are now the two worst teams in baseball. So <laughs> it's just interesting. Um, 
maybe we've reached an age in baseball where there's going to be a little bit more of that cyclical nature where you have teams like the Royals that are going to be good for three or four years, and now they're going to... Well, the Royals have always had a cycle where they're good for a few years, but it was never ended in World Series runs. Right. It always ended in, like, so, ALCS runs. I mean, the Reds making the playoffs, that was the first time they'd ever sustained success for more than one year in, in my lifetime, so that was a completely new thing. So I think just the... Everyone's getting smarter. Like, four or five years ago, you only had... You had the Cardinals and the... The Red Sox, the ones that were actually paying attention to the numbers, to where now pretty much everyone does. I mean, the last ones that didn't were probably the Diamondbacks last year, and um, I don't even know. Maybe I mean the Phillies kind of transitioned a couple years ago, but those were the worst teams, and those that management was fired, and they yeah. they pretty much all transitioned. You know, they're not maybe all a hundred percent. Sabermetrics, but they they definitely are paying attention well, and it, to those things. And, and, and the early adopters saw the early fruits, and it's just like small businesses. And I'm going to make a totally random thing, you know, uh, correlation here is that you know small businesses that jumped on social media early for marketing saw the results well before the larger companies that can't move as quickly saw the results. And it's the same here. You know, and it, it takes time for everyone to get on board because, especially in baseball, where the old way and tradition and how I've always done it is sort of the way you do things. When something new like Sabermetrics comes in and kind of turns everything else up, you know, over, it's going to take time for all the teams to get on board because the good old boys aren't going to, oh, no, the eye test is good enough. We don't need to see the numbers. Well, it turns out you actually do because the baseball season is so long. And there's so many ways to evaluate a player that the eye test is just one of them. But there has to be, and, and Pablo Sandoval is a great example of this. The eye test might have told you, yeah, he's a bit overweight. Yeah, he's not a great athlete. But man, look at, look at how he does in the playoffs. Well, I hate to break it to you, but there's 162 games before the playoffs where he's not great. And you got to roll out a third baseman that's not great for 162 games just to hope that he has a good playoff. And now with StatCast, you can more accurately measure players' defensive values exactly. and yeah. so, their speed. And there's just so much more information to make. It is, it would be foolish to not look at the numbers. Yeah, and so to me, it's with what you're yeah. with what you see with your eyes. You know, exactly. We do. You still need scouts. But you need scouts that can look do the eye test and then go, okay, now what do the numbers tell me? Are my eyes lying or are my eyes right? And it the numbers help you remove any emotional sort of, well, I like this guy for X, we went to the same college, or he he's more handsome, or like whatever the, you know, the reasons are. Um, but it just... We're going to have go ahead. way less teams... Like the the Diamondbacks Braves trade a few years ago, where the Braves traded Shelby Miller, who had a great year, but all the metrics were saying he's due for major aggression. He's not a big strikeout guy. You know, they traded him for a king's ransom of Dansby Swanson and Ender Inciarte, Tuki Toussaint. And so it's just like the Diamondbacks were completely made a decision based off of. The information that they should not have made, and Joe Miller has done nothing for them. Yeah, I know, so. I know, because I had him on my fantasy team early on in his career, and he had one, maybe two good years, and it just exploded. 
I just don't think you're going to see trades, lopsided trades like that anymore because I think we're to the point now where, to a degree, everyone knows what they're doing. So well, you'll get trades that people are going to be desperate. They're going to want to win. Like, but, like the J.D. Martinez trade. Yeah. So, yeah, we've this has been a good discussion. Um, but we will eventually, there have been some trades that we want to talk about. But before before we move on, did you want to add anything else? No, I just, I, I see the, the correlations between, um, like baseball as business, not wanting to move to sabermetrics as a strong valuation tool to businesses, not wanting to move to social media as incredible uh, crowdsourcing and free research and, you know, like putting fires out. I see those as like the exact same thing. And it's really interesting to me because I never thought about that before this discussion. Um, so if there are any baseball teams out there that want to use my social media knowledge uh, and translate that to helping your team do better, I'm available. I currently work at a coffee <laughs> shop. I got laid off. So I am employable. That was a great plug right there. I would hire you if I could. Yeah, well, I'll let you know if anyone, you know, perhaps all of our subscribers are indeed the uh, the head of hiring for all major league teams. If that's the case, <laughs> you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net and write in the subject, we want to hire Cam. And then I'll respond with, I appreciate it, but you should probably hire Nick. He knows a lot more about baseball than I do. But I would love to also be hired. Why not hire us both? <laughs> Yeah, that would be our that'd be a dream. And then we could work for the same team and live in the same town and all would be well in the world. That is true. Well, Cam, we we had some big trades already. I know, We're still right? A week. We still have over a week until the deadline, but we've got some trades to discuss. So first uh first one was before we could even fully get back from the all star break, we had a, a monster. The uh Cubs acquiring Jose Quintana from the White Sox for Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, Matt Rose, and Brian Fleet. So all, all minor leaguers in the Cubs system. So noteworthy, um, for for those of you that aren't huge prospect people, Eloy Jimenez is currently the number eight prospect in all of baseball. And he likes to break lights, is what I've heard. Yeah, we uh, we mentioned him a couple weeks ago. He, uh, he has the power to hit light. <laughs> light fixtures on the top of stadiums and bust them. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty pretty impressive trade. Just in the fact that it was the two Chicago teams who don't necessarily have the greatest of affections for one another. <laughs> um, to pull off a deal like this is pretty impressive. So, Quintana was a, a guy that <clears throat> um, had been on the block for a while. You know the. The White Sox have really done a tremendous job. I know for as much as we dislike them, they um, have annoyingly done a really good job of trading Sale, Quintana, Adam Eaton, uh, Frazier, Robertson, um, for another trade we'll talk about here in a minute, for a tremendous amount of uh, prospects um, to where having, they went from having one of the worst systems to having one of the best in regards to top-end talent. Um in all of baseball so yeah really um really big trade Quintana is was a big piece and you know he's a he's a good pitcher he's fairly young um for as much as he's been around 
uh, fairly consistent, but he also has an extremely um, team-friendly contract. So that was a big reason why um, he's still controllable for, I believe, three more years. I'll double-check on that. But he, um, yeah, that's going to be a, a big part of, you know, we've talked about the Cubs and their big struggle this year has been um, because of their pitching. So being able to add him to Lester and Arietta and Hendricks, who's coming back, you know, I, I finally, a couple weeks ago, said, well, maybe the Cubs aren't going to make the run this year because they hadn't at that point. <laughs> and then since that time, the Brewers are pretty much, uh, they've definitely hit a rough stretch and they've lost a lot of games, including two out of three to the lovely Phillies. Um this weekend so the the Cubs are only a game a half a game out and they're they're playing right now so if they beat the Cardinals tonight they'll be tied for first place in the central so big big trade yeah and and well and Quintana did not disappoint his first start for the uh, Cubs went um I'd say pretty darn good yeah he uh he shut down the um, was it the Orioles? I think I, eleven strikeouts and over seven innings. Yeah, I believe it was the Orioles. That's correct. So I, I, I guess. I mean, I wonder. I mean, I don't think they would have if I can stumble over all of my words. I don't think they would have made this trade if they were not in the position they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, if Arietta and Lester and Hendricks and Lackey were all doing what they had done last year. They I don't I don't think they make this trade. And so I think their hand was forced based on the subpar performance um Oh, definitely. And, and so I just it's one of those things that like you just wonder what would they've done with these players had the pitching been even serviceable or slightly above par. You know, would they have turned these four players into I don't know, uh, a high-end closer or who knows what. Or they have kept Jimenez and Jimenez becomes the next Sammy Sosa. I I don't know, you know, but you just kind of, it's fun to kind of wonder what would have happened had the pitching lived up to what they were supposed to do. So Quintana is getting paid $7 million this year, <clears throat> and then he gets $9 million next year, and then there is a basically a 10 million and an 11 million team option in 2019 and 2020. So they'll have him for three more years after this year. So that's why the White Sox were able to, that's why he was so valuable and the, the, how they could get a, a top 10 prospect in Eloy Jimenez um, from the Cubs. So the Cubs went from having one of the best farm systems to having <laughs> one of the worst, just in having a, most of those guys come up to the majors and be a full part of their team now, and then trading off a few big pieces um, in the last few years. And so, that's, but, I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. But, but so, if I'm a Cubs fan, that's concerning. It is. If um, first to worst, you know, is their not, position is not the way player, you want to go. Position player wise, they I mean they're pretty much set for the next five six years because every single one of those well, players are young and but barring barring injury barring tragedy which 
we've seen a lot of car accidents, boat accidents, you know, young studs dying in really bizarre situations. You know? Yeah, that's always there. But, but I mean, not necessarily always, but like in recent years, it's been at least one or two every off season dying. It's But you're also the Cubs. You're a, a large market team who can fill in gaps if need be. So. Well, now with Theo, but I mean... They they didn't win a World Series for 108 years for some reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, they're not the Yankees. And, and the Yankees aren't even the Yankees anymore. No. The Yankees of the 90s were this, like, separate thing. You know? Everyone wanted to be there. And everyone who wasn't there wanted to hate the Yankees. And it was this very special sort of, you know, situation. But... I just, so Quintana's, Quintana's coming off four straight years of over 200 innings pitched. That's a lot. At a, at a low three RA, so that is super valuable. Yeah. No, I, I mean, what they, what they got was good. I just, if I was a Cubs fan, seeing my, my farm system just kind of go, because, you know, oh, <laughs> that's concerning. Well, they're going to have to. Ariad is a free agent after this year, so they're going to have to either re-sign him or they they're they have Hayward for a long time. That's a whoop de do. That's going to be an al- al- albatross. Um, they've got so in retrospect, so Quintana's getting you know the ten million team option and nineteen and twenty. John Lester's going to get twenty seven million dollars over the next three years. Oh my gosh. Um. And he's. I wanted to look. How old is he? He's got to be in his thirties already. Lester. Yeah. Lester's thirty-three. Okay. So I'm gonna look up because I'm curious. Because I think is Verlander the highest-paid pitcher? I need to look. Uh, I need to I do don't know if he's. I don't that. know if he's the highest, but he's definitely in the top five. I would imagine Kershaw, Scherzer, David Price, Chris Sale are all up there. Oh yeah, Scherzer. Verlander gets twenty-eight million through 2019 mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he deserves it yeah it'll be interesting he's uh he's another guy that's on the trade block um the fact that I he doubt. hasn't been traded yet is a little surprising to me i think it all has to do with how much money he's owed yeah but you're not getting Pab- pablo sandoval you're getting justin verlander and i know i'm i know i'm biased i know i'm biased he's not what he used to be he has been inconsistent but so Yeah, he um man, the Verlander of six, seven years ago, that was Johnny Snare. Right? Oh Johnny Snare, is. baby. Yeah. And and MVB two thousand four before he was even in the that was, he was a top. That was that was over ten years ago, Nick. I don't wanna make you feel old. Oh, there are many other things that make me feel older, so Oh my gosh. So I love looking at player contracts because they're <laughs> so crazy. But so Scherzer gets twenty two million this year and next year, and then in 2019, 2020, and twenty twenty one, he gets forty two million dollars a year. Oh my! Why? Why do they backload it like that? I don't know, but he's twenty nineteen. Strasburg Strasburg makes eighteen this year and next year, and then his jumps up to. 38 million. So one of them is going to be gone. There's no way they're going to have both of them on the Nationals. 
So in 2019, between Scherzer and Strasburg, that's $80 million for two players. Why do they do that? (laughs) I guess they... um, To, like, entice the player to sign the contract knowing full well they're going to trade them before they actually have to pay them that money. But that makes them them harder to trade. Well, Bryce Harper becomes a free agent that year, so they're either thinking that... He's leaving? He's leaving, or... But do you really let Bryce Harper leave without getting anything for him? Do you really do that? Guess we'll see how they're doing, but they do get uh, Jason Worst $21 million off the books after this year. Finally. Yeah. Daniel Murphy, he's a steal. He's he's only making $12 million this year. For one of the best hitters in baseball? Yeah. So, we could... That would be so much fun to just evaluate every team's financial situation, but that would take forever. Well, if we ever are reaching for a topic, we know what we can talk about. Yeah, we should do just some some teams. You'll just rattle off numbers, and I'll just cry. That's yeah. (laughs) So that that was a big one. Um, So Eloy, he'll be he's still in high A, so he's probably a few years away, but he's going to be a he's going to be a really good player for the for the White Sox. So. We'll see how Quintana can help the Cubs. Um, I think they're pretty much a shoe in for the division now, but we'll see how they how he does in the playoffs. Cause he's not he's definitely not an ace. He's he's got a ton of value in the regular season. But um, yeah, we'll see. The uh, speaking of the Nationals, they made a, a big deal on the the sixteenth. They acquired they had a. They have the worst bullpen in baseball, so they went out and acquired Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen from the A's for a couple minor league pieces in the lower minors that um, were just recent draft picks. So the uh, the Nationals were able to stabilize their bullpen in a sense, and the A's got a uh, some some pretty far away pieces. But if they do put it together, it could be a good fit for them. And then the uh, the Diamondbacks and Tigers. So the Tigers traded J.D. Martinez, who's in the last year of his contract, to the Diamondbacks for Dawel Lugo, Jose King, and Sergio Alcantara. Three very low-level prospects. So, Cam, your thoughts. What a trade for the Diamondbacks. That's what I want to say. I hate you for even saying that. And I know you're right. I just, I don't understand. So, like, what this screams to me is either one of these three, someone in the Tigers organization saw something that no one else has seen. Or, the Tigers were not confident that they could sign J.D. Martinez as a free agent. Or, they didn't want to sign him for the amount of money he would be worth. Or they're big idiots and took the first trade they could get. I think more than anything, it shows what the market is like for rental player, positional players this year. I think not great because offensively, everyone is, you know, the ball is juice. Everyone's hitting home runs. Everyone feels good about their offense, but everyone is just dying for starting pitching. So that's where that's where people are paying the the prices. So. I think the Tigers, I think the Reds are in the same situation with Cozart. 
of just having no market there for for those guys for those rental pieces so i'm i'm actually fully expecting the cozart the red's biggest piece to not even be traded and for him to leave after this year and for us to get nothing just because if that's what the tigers got for jd martinez like there's no way that marginal well, more marginal position players are going to get anything more than that and that's and that's to a wild card team that's not like it's to the Dodgers who are sitting on a fat old, you know, 30-game lead or whatever it is. Like, that's to a team who's in the hunt and is not guaranteed a playoff spot. So, like, you're you're trading them to a team that should be willing to pay top dollar for more talent. And they didn't pay top dollar. There must have been someone in that Tigers organization that loved one of those three players. Seriously, if I find out that Jose King's dad works for the Tigers, I'm going to be pretty pissed. (laughs) Because I think they could have waited another week and got the same deal if nobody else wanted to offer them anything. But, yeah, I mean... At least least J.D. might get to play in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Tigers are in a, a weird situation of... You know, you're paying a few guys a ton of money, and they're still, they're, they're not a bad team, but they just they need an influx of young talent who's not getting paid the amount of money that um, they just you know the Tigers are going to be having a monster payroll. They can't resign everyone, I guess, but the idea is that you have young talented players that can fill in when guys like J.D. Martinez leave. Well, and, but, and uh, the idea is instead of trading J.D. Martinez, you trade Cabrera or Verlander, which I realize they have bigger contracts, so they're harder to move, but... Still could happen. But the point is... Cabrera, I don't see, but... But the point is you don't have to trade Martinez if you can move one or both of those guys. Because in my yeah. estimation, Cabrera and Verlander deserve to be on playoff teams that have a chance of winning a ring. Because Verlander never has. He's come. He's been in two World Series, and the first one the team choked, and the second one the team just absolutely pooped their pants. Cabrera at least has a ring, and he was re- because he, of Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm just making connections in our episode. I know you're being the good podcaster, and I'm being emotional because we're talking about my team right now. But you know, Cabrera got a ring real early when he was with the uh, Marlins, but. I just feel like it's a disservice, you know. I, I like again to to switch topics. I would have loved to have seen the Lions trade Calvin Johnson to a team that actually had a chance of winning, because like there's a player that deserves a ring. You know what I mean? And I think Verlander and Cabrera deserve a shot at a ring. Um, but just getting rid of Martinez for now, we could be wrong. These three could turn out to be studs, but that's not necessarily the story that's being told about them based on their, you know, their numbers. The consensus is that's not likely, so. Yeah, so it's just I mean, this is a guy, that's all. It's just this is a guy, you know, as a, a Reds fan that I've seen them make a couple trades in the last year or two of just like, really? That's what we got? And, I mean, the Chapman trade especially, like, none of those guys have panned out, so we basically traded him for nothing. Yeah, but he's not and he's then, not good this year, so you know. Right, but I mean he he got the 
the uh, number two prospect in all of baseball for the Yankees just six months later. So, and then the Jay Bruce deal, we got a couple guys. One of the pitcher can't even do anything in rookie ball, <laughs> and the uh, Dilson Herrera, the guy that was supposed to be a the main piece, had has had shoulder issues the entire year, and we just found out a couple days ago that he's out for the year. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's no good. That's fantastic. So. It uh it happens. I, I I want the Tigers are my AL team. I want them to do well. So I I hope they can pull something out for, especially for Verlander, to uh, give him that opportunity, but also to get a couple good pieces like the White Sox did, and um be able to get into contention a little bit quicker than having to start the whole process over again. So we'll uh we'll hit this last trade between the the White Sox and Yankees. So. Uh, on July 18th, the we talked about this before, but the Yankees got David Robertson, Tommy Conley, and Todd Frazier from the White Sox um, for Tyler Clippard. That guy's been on a lot of teams. Yep. Um, and then Blake Rutherford is the big, the big name from this trade. Um, a couple other prospects as well, but Rutherford is viewed as a top hundred guy. So impressive that they were able to get him for. You know, Frazier, who's probably not worth much on his own. And then, yeah, the Yankees were able to reunite with Robertson uh, to add to their bullpen. And Conley adds to their bullpen as well. So the Yankees seem to be wanting to bolster their their bullpen. Well, they need to. Yeah, they do. And Robertson's a guy, I mean, it's not like they're rentals, so they're thinking they're going to be able to have them for a while. And they're probably looking at their outfield with Aaron Judge. And Clint Frazier and thinking there's probably not going to be a ton of openings for outfielders in the near future, so they could be able to part with a guy like Rutherford who's still probably two three years away. So, yeah, that's another trade where the White Sox have been pretty universally lauded for being able to get a top one hundred guy for um, a package that included Robertson or Frazier, and the Yankees. Um, I've had a, a black hole at third base all year, which I don't know if Frazier's going to do anything to fix that. But, yeah, those have been the big deal so far, which is, it's been pretty active. You know, we're still have another full full week, which I expect some more stuff to go down. So we'll, we will see, and we'll break it down next week. Yeah, I'm uh, inter- interested to see what all goes down in the coming days, and there's always a bit of a uh, a rush towards the end. So. Should be fun to see, and hopefully the Tigers don't do anything else stupid. <laughs> I uh, I hope they do something really good just for you. I you know I appreciate that, Nick. You're you're a kind man for saying so. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. If you want to check out the show notes, you can go to supermegacorp.net/slash/mendoza/slash/38, and the notes will be there, along with. The- the uh, episode audio and links for our Twitter and our email and subscription and our Patreon page. So check all that out at, again, supermegacorp.net slash Mendoza slash 38. And we'll be back very soon with our uh, final thoughts on all the trades. Sound good? Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes. Thank you, all of our subscribers. We appreciate it. Be good. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.